0: The MLS season is just around the corner, and that means that it's time for our yearly, now, MLS previews. We're previewing the Eastern Conference right now, going over all of the teams in the Eastern Conference, talking about their strengths, their weaknesses, their major transfers, and where we think they'll finish. So if you wanna find out who's gonna be at the top, who's gonna to win, potentially support a shield, and who might be winning the wooden spoon at the bottom, stick around for that. Leave a rating if you enjoy the show. And yeah, hope you like it.
1: Hello and welcome back to another Deep Dive episode of The Final Third. My name is Jack. I'm back from the break that we did last week after, you know, we we sat outside or stood outside in the cold watching the U.S. men's national team take down Honduras. Uh, As always, I'm a fan of Chelsea, Minnesota United, which kind of is relevant. Not really that relevant today. But we'll get to that eventually atlanta and the u.s and french national teams and i'm joined here as always with aj tabura
0: yeah i'm aj i'm the other co-host of this podcast i'm a fan of minnesota united who just signed their first couple of players to their second team very very interesting we're not talking about them this week uh too much but we will next week when we preview the western conference also a fan of the u.s national team's and unfortunately for me today, even though we won West Ham United, uh, we don't have to talk about them uh, today. Why, or why is
1: it unfortunate?
0: Unfortunate. I mean, we won, but uh, I don't know. The, the, there's some off the field issues with the oh, with right. the, <laughs> the club right now. Yes, yes, and we yeah, don't have to yeah, talk about yeah. that because we're talking about the better league, not the Premier League, Major League Soccer, specifically. If you were paying attention to how I was talking about the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference. This week, every single season, uh, well, not every single season, the, the past couple of seasons, whether it's the European season or the American season, we previewed uh, the the season and all the teams. And particularly with MLS last season, we took a look at each of the conferences and talked about the teams and previewed how the conference would shake up. So today we had the Eastern Conference, and we'll be going team by team to all the different uh, clubs, both new and old, talk about the major transfers in and out, the strengths, the weaknesses, and finally where we would put them in the fourteen-team table. Jack, how are you feeling about the Eastern Conference? Uh, just in general, do you think they'll be uh stronger than the West? Because I feel like the West last last season, overall in the regular season, was a little bit of higher quality, don't you think?
1: I I think the West is always a little bit higher quality in it. I mean. And with the addition of Nashville to the Western Conference instead of being in the Eastern Conference as they have been, uh, I, I, I think that they're going to be a little bit stronger. Uh, that's not to say that the Eastern Conference doesn't have some good teams in there as well, but I, I, I think we're also both biased
0: towards the Western Conference because it's sure. yeah. Minnesota United. I, I think, and we'll get to this, I think the East and a lot of teams have added a lot of good talent, and I'm excited to talk about it. So, Jack and I will you know get things started we split these teams up seven and seven and as we have found out going through things alphabetically would have caused pretty <laughs> much uh me going off right at the beginning and then jack going off right at the end so we're gonna do a random r- a random wheel spin here and we have orlando city jack as the first team okay and i know that's yours so o- orlando you know has had a couple of good seasons here. But Jack, how do you view the offseason and the season coming up for the Orlando City Lions?
1: Yeah, well, Orlando City came off of two pretty good seasons, you know, making it to the MLS's back final in 2020 and making consecutive playoff appearances for the first time in their club's history. So good, uh, good progress along for Orlando. Uh, But the story of the offseason for Orlando is that there's a lot of great players headed out after getting them back-to-back playoff berths. The departures uh, are headlined by Nani, who went mm-hmm. on a free to, Vin- to Venezia, who seemed to be collecting a ton of players from MLS lately. Yeah. Uh, we've got Chris Mueller, who went on a free transfer to Hibernian in the Scottish Premiership. And then, of course, the big one, Daryl DK, who went to West Brom on a deal worth $9.5 million. Uh, so those three are huge losses to their offense and a big reason why they did so well in 2020 and 2021 for what it's worth. They did replace these players, but the question is how much better or worse are they getting air Kara, Ka- uh, I think it, mm-hmm. for only 800,000 is a pretty good deal. Uh, scored nine goals and three assists and 17 appearances for rapid Vienna in the Austrian Bundesliga this past season, solid replacement at center forward. Uh, Facundo Torres could be really good. He's an Uruguayan international young guy who arrived on a on a fee worth seven point five million dollars. Uh, no pressure, you know, no, no pressure at all for him. Uh, but so that could be a pretty good mood move. But I'm kind of worried about him because he is really young and arrives with so much expectation on him. And we've seen in the past how that can really affect players, sometimes negatively. Uh, as far as strengths and weaknesses go, some of their for strengths some of their signings are looking really good and they kept a lot of their good defensive players like CDM junior Urso, uh mm-hmm. left back Kyle Smith and goalkeeper Pedro Galice, uh, and a few others in there. They also have a fantastic tactical coach in Oscar Pereira, who's really proven that he can do a lot with the players. He has gets a lot out of the players uh, weaknesses, uh, although one more uh, strength before uh, Pereira Great player. Uh, he he had a pretty good season last time around. Probably could uh, use a little bit more from him, but still, very good. And but weaknesses, how will their new signings adapt to the league? and will they be able to create the same sort of magic that they had last season? I'm not entirely convinced by that. They also needed more creativity as they were 24 out of 27 for big chances created last season. So they need they needed more creativity. Maybe Torres can provide a little bit of that, but uh, that's something still to be seen. The big difference was they had a lot of players like Nani, for example, who could create something out of nothing, which they lost. And I'm not completely sure they replaced. So will Pereira and others be able to step up to the plate? That's where I'm not entirely convinced by Orlando's uh by Orlando's offseason moves. Hmm. They've still got a solid defensive core, they've still got good midfielders, but losing those front three, even if Chris Mueller had a bit of a drop-off from 2021 after 2020, uh still hurts. Uh and they've already spent all the money for Daryl DK on uh their signings. So uh it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, as far as my prediction, I separated predictions out into four different tiers. Uh, tier one is home playoff contenders. Tier two is playoff candidates. Tier three is the outside looking in, and tier four are wooden spoon contenders. Uh, for playoff uh, for for Orlando, I place them in seventh place as hmm. playoff candidates. Uh, I, I I I'm tempted to put them either there or in eighth place, like they're. I, I don't know, like it's it's kind of tough that it's always the placing that's tough. So they're kind of on the fringe between tier two and tier three for me. All
0: right. All right. I had Orlando City. I I, I view Orlando City pretty much the same way as you. I, I I think but there's been some turnover, but there has also been some very exciting signings. So I have them in sixth place. Uh, I, I had. Just like Jack, I I tiered things out pretty much the same way. Uh, four teams on top, three teams right in the uh, playoff bubble, four outside looking in, and three kind of basement dwellers. And Orlando City, I think, are pretty firmly in that playoff spot. But because they're bringing in a lot of players, we've seen from uh teams in the past and teams even abroad that bringing in a lot of different players adds a lot of variability so i think orlando city more so than a lot of other teams has a lot of variance on where they can finish given how their new crop of designated players will perform just like jack said if they perform well i can honestly see them pushing fourth or fifth place if not then just like jack i can also see them finishing eighth or below it's kind of a hand wavy answer but at the same time i I feel like even Orlando City fans have to kind of, you know, be cautiously optimistic, but understand that there is a lot of ways that these players and how Oscar Pereja go about this team and this season. So therefore, I have them in sixth place. And uh, the next team, Jack, is also one of your teams, and it's going to be the Philadelphia Union, who in two years ago finished on top of the league supporters uh supporter shield there now i don't know maybe jim Curtin can get them back up to where they used to be jack take it away
1: yeah well the philadelphia union had a pretty good season last time around that disappointing semi or uh conference final loss uh or yeah con was was it semi-final actually conference semi-final that Uh, Either way, the COVID cases really hurt them uh, in that in that moment, and it was a kind of crushing end for them. But let's talk about their key transfers. Only two big ins and outs thus far uh, with some with some more significant than others. Uh, Elvis Powell left to Cincinnati on a free transfer, but he only played five matches in 2021. So that's just a depth piece that they lost. The big loss and the headliner here is Kasper Chisbilko, who they sold to Chicago for $1.1 million, which is strange since I thought he was pretty good last season. Uh, maybe not as good as in 2020, but good nonetheless. Uh, they did replace him, though, with Danish international Mikael Jure. Ray, I I don't speak Dutch (laughs) or Danish, my bad, uh, who they who they bought for two point eight million from Brondby in the Danish Superliga. He's been a breakout star so much so that he got called up to the Danish national team this past November. He scored 30 goals in his last two seasons in Denmark, a bit of a late bloomer. He's 27 and just started getting really good, Uh, but he seems to be a solid replacement. They also got Julian Carranza from Inter Miami on an interesting deal. It's a loan with an option to buy that looks, if I, if I saw the numbers correctly, $6 million for a buy clause, which seems incredibly high, especially for an interleague transfer or interleague. Uh, their best work in the market has been contract extensions, though, getting Jack Elliott and Jacob Gleznis to sign contract extensions. Uh, so that, that's really good for them. Strengths and weaknesses. They kept uh, strengths. Kept a solid squad together, despite some players probably being good enough to play over in top five European leagues like Kai Wagner. Uh, their, their defense is still the same solid five of Wagner, Elliott, Gleznes and Baizo with Andre Blake in and goal. And they brought in a promising replacement for their last for their top scorer last season. But honestly, though, the big thing uh, that acts as their strength is the defense was massive last season, conceding one goal per game and keeping 13 clean sheets, which was good for most in the league. That's impressive stuff, and we all know the old adage, defense wins championships. They also have Jim Curtin, who is a good coach who gets the best out of younger players, and they've got a lot of those. In terms of weaknesses, they definitely struggled to replace the influence of Brendan Aronson on this team last season. Jamiro Montero was good, but just didn't create nearly to the same level as Aronson did. Uh, they haven't completely fixed that this season. That's the one glaring uh, vulnerability I can see. Uh, and while Montero is fine, I can't help but feel like they could have added in a few more players that can get uh, that can get them back up to where they need to be, uh, especially if he continues to be a little underwhelming. This team can do great things, but they need to get that service down. Uh, in terms of predictions, you know, I, I, I trust in Jim Curtin. I, th- I think the Philadelphia Union have made good signings. their defense is great. I love I love defensive teams at t- uh, sometimes uh, and I put them in third place actually in uh, in the top tier. I I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching the union this season.
0: Yeah, I also like Jim Curtin. I also like the Philadelphia Union. I like the Philadelphia Union so much. I actually have them in first place. Wow. Okay. First place in the East. I really like the business that uh, the union have done, you know, uh, keeping a a very powerful core of players in. And, you know, I I, I think really when you look at it, when, when you look at how Philadelphia union are doing, it's really just one piece away from being a very good team. They have a, in pretty much most positions, players that on their day could be best 11 players. Obviously, you have Andre Blake, but you also have the, the merry amount of all the players that you mentioned. What they're missing really is a good number nine. Like, yeah, Casper was a good player, but still, they, when you look at the amount of goals that they scored last season, it wasn't that impressive compared to their compatriots uh, to the north and south of them, right? You you look at uh, the fact that they scored 48 goals. Well, considering that New England scored 65, Nashville scored 55, uh, New York City FC scored 56. You have to go down all the way to Atlanta United, who scored 45 goals to find the next one that scored as little as them. This is a team that could challenge for MLS Cup, could challenge for... Uh, A a good amount of trophies, it all just depends on if they can get that number nine. But when you have such a good core, when you have such a good head coach at the wheel, the, the sky's the limit for this Philadelphia Union team. So I have them in first place. Could move around, but I, I see them as contenders for sure. I could, I
1: could see that for sure. I, th- I, I didn't mention the number nine issue because I honestly think uh, Michael, Michael, however you pronounce it, the <laughs> Danish guy, he, he looks like a beast. And I, and I think that he's probably going to solve that issue.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, seeing that. And I, I think if he can, you know, fill in that missing role for them, they're going to do crazy good things i I don't think they're in the champions league this season uh but yeah i don't think so either yeah but i guess they technically are in the league's cup so maybe they can make a run there if they have a good number nine but especially that mls regular season and playoffs that number nine is going to be key for them and uh michael uri yeah you're right is going to be hopefully a good player for them all right so we move on from philadelphia uh, a really, really good team to maybe a really, really bad team. Who knows? It's the FC Cincinnati, who uh, is one of my teams that I cover. I'm really <laughs> excited to talk about them uh, because, I don't know, is this the year they finally don't get last? I I I probably wouldn't uh, bet on it too much because for major transfers in or out, the, the big ones that I see really are actually the head coach and general manager. Pat Noonan is the new head coach, and Chris Albright is the new general manager. Both are actually previously of the Philadelphia Union. So I think we can see an emulation of Union's uh, play style, perhaps. maybe Maybe a little bit more attacking, pressing, I don't know. And maybe there's going to be an increase in trust in their young players. We see some more academy players uh, move their way up. I actually uh, watched a fair bit of MLS next, like some of their showcases, and FC Cincinnati's academy, uh, you know, it, it is a pretty decent academy. So if they put trust in those players, I think it'll be uh, really, really interesting. Uh, and I think maybe one of their bigger signings this off season is something that they really haven't had in the past. What is is their goalkeeper Vermeer wasn't very good, but uh, what they needed was an okay goalkeeper, and they get that in uh, Alec Khan. He's not lights out, you know. He's, he's, there's nothing in the advanced stats that make you uh, absolutely drool over him, but at the same time, it, it, it's good to have that. Other than that, not a lot of big movements, other than some re signings of like center back. Nick Hagland or uh, some adding of some, you know, minor-ish pieces like Dom Badgie. Really, the way that I see this is that FC and Cincinnati are in rebuilding mode. And that could be a strength. Uh, it's a fresh slate, just like some other teams. Uh, it's a good chance to kind of rebuild and reinvent themselves. And that's good because you have some fun homegrown players that may be coming up in the academy system and this is your chance to really try to get them involved, and at the same time, maybe look at some of your other players and really choose which players you should you should keep on because they still have Brenner, Acosta, Cameron, Haglin, so decent players that you could build around. But it all comes down to how Pat Noonan and Chris Albright view this team, and I think it's really it's going to be exciting to see where this team could be in a couple of years because one of their weaknesses is that it's clear from Albright that they're not making any crazy moves. Like, this isn't a one-season kind of rebuild. They still have some maybe dead weight, some, some players that were a, a part of previous administrations, previous head coaches that don't really fit what Pat Noonan is looking for. And because there hasn't been a fire sale, they're keeping most of their designated players like Acosta and Brenner, I really don't see a team that hasn't improved – materially from last year doing anything else other than potentially not getting last place they still needed that a defensive midfielder for sure but beyond that the ceiling of talent is a lot lower than other teams not to say that this isn't an exciting team because I'm really excited to see what the the two in charge can do but that is to say that their major weakness is the fact that they have been losing in the past and kind of reshaping the way this team works will take some time. So for my prediction, there's a lot of variability in this because you invite a new system with a new GM and a new head coach. But I still have them in 14th place, last place. Who knows, maybe in the West there's a there's a really bad team and maybe they do worse than them. But FC Cincinnati I have as pretty heavy wooden spoon contenders, uh at least in the basement for sure jack where do you have them
1: yeah well like you said they've they're still in rebuilding mode the big signings you know they're taking a different approach to last season where they went lights out spending all the money thinking that that would be enough it wasn't um so they're, they're trying something different i i think it, i think it's better it, it honestly they're what they're doing but at the same time <laughs> i I, I I see them doing pretty poorly as well, uh, which feels bad. But honestly, I, I, feel I, bad. <laughs> I yeah, they they've mismanaged a lot of things. I have them in last place as well. Oof. I
0: I Our feel bad. That, That's yeah, fun though.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's Cincinnati. It's kind of yeah, to be expected. I uh, but I feel kind of bad because I would like to see Cincinnati do well because I feel like they have a great city for soccer. But.
0: Yeah, great fan base. It, absolutely yeah, amazing great fan, fan base. base. If,
1: if you're sticking through it like <laughs> for this long, right. I respect. Uh, you know, As Minnesota United fans, we went through it. So uh, maybe one day, maybe it'll pay off. Maybe this will be the year they prove
0: us all wrong. are yes, on. I'm not yes. so sure about it, though. All right. So our first agreement, unfortunately, has to be a sad agreement. FC Cincinnati in last place. That does mean, uh, through some logical steps, that we both think that Charlotte FC at least won't get last place in their expansion season. Yep. So exciting times in North Carolina. No, nah, no, nah. <laughs> uh, But we're actually not going to North Carolina for this next team. We're actually going um, a state above. We're going to uh, DC. So we got Virginia in between those two Uh, states cities whatever i don't know i I, I, i'm choking with my geography right now i should know but
1: i'm i'm not gonna lie uh you're a little off on that uh north carolina is a bit south of it and i dc is i think a bit north of cincinnati but i think i think i think think you're good it's fine it's fine it's close enough close enough close enough Yes. DC United is me, though. Yes, it uh, is. Yes, it is. So let, let's let me navigate through my massive document that
0: I've oh, that the, I've written. J- J- Jack has the research. You know, he, he went in on uh, Hernan Lasada and what he can do to improve I, this DC I, United team.
1: <laughs> I, I wrote at least four paragraphs for each team. Oh, here. wow. All right. Uh, lots of work. But let's let's talk about DC United for a little bit. DC United uh, cleared out about a third of its roster showing they really want to rebuild. Some of those transfers out are really tough for them, to be honest. Uh, Joseph Mora and Jordi Reyna both went to Charlotte in one way or another, and Felipe, a fairly decent depth piece who played 75% of DC's games last season, goes to Austin FC on a free. That being said, they had two very high-profile transfers, uh, and the ones that everyone really cares about, which is Paul Ariola's massive, i.e. record-breaking, Intra League transfer to FC Dallas and Kevin Paredes, uh, Kevin Paredes's move overseas to VFL Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are two losses that are going to be felt for sure. You know, Paul Ariola might not have been a game winner in every sense, but you can't deny that he gives one hundred and ten percent every time. Uh, so who did they bring in? Well, they made Brendan Hines-Ikes transfer permanent, which was a pretty good piece of business. He played well in limited matches last season. They also brought in Brad Smith from Seattle. Who has been decent for Seattle in the past few seasons? Went, uh, went to the championship for a few, uh, for a few games as well. In between, they're also heavily linked with Carlos Tevez, which would be wild and a wild. pretty good transfer if that goes through. I could see it happening because Ramona Bila has the same agent as him, and they had Ramona Bula, uh last season after Minnesota United gave up on him. Uh, so they replace their outgoing players or the major outgoing players for the most part. But not necessarily upgrading on them, to be completely honest. Which is where we get, which is where we get to a few problems, uh, strengths and weaknesses. As far as strengths go, they still have Ola Kamara, who was amazing for DC last season. Uh, he he scored a ton of goals. Maybe a lot of them were penalties, but hey, they were goals nonetheless. They also have Julian Gressel, who provided nine assists last season's Andy Nehar, Heinz Eich, and Donovan Pines to hold down the defense. They also had a coach that was capable of getting a lot out of some of the players that he had, Uh, and he'll have another season to make that impact felt. I'm not sure if Hernan Lazada is like the best coach uh, that DC United can have, but he's he has done okay. He's done okay, Uh, and he'll have another season to do it. Uh, Weakness weaknesses. They did a clean out. And didn't replace with many players that I'd necessarily classify as game changers. Like mm-hmm. yes, Brad Smith is a decent player, but is he like the player that's going to be able to replace Paul Areola or Kevin Pererez? Uh, probably not. <laughs> and that that's that that's where we get to to an issue. Uh I'm sure the young players they recruited will get good. Well, at DC, you know, they do that really well developing younger talents, but that's more for the future than in the present term. So that, that's, that's the, uh, that's the issue that I see with all that being said, though, I, I do still think DC United have a solid enough team. The core is besides besides Areola and Paredes is more or less the same. Uh, and for and for that reason, I have them in more or less the same position as as uh, last time around, which is in eighth place. You know, one place less than before. Uh, I feel like the loss of Ariola and Paredes is going to be felt and that'll bring him down a little bit. But yeah, uh, I have him in eighth place just in that just between tier two and three. Uh, but yeah, just outside the playoffs.
0: Right, right. I have them in a pretty similar spot. I have them just outside the playoffs as well, but I have them in ninth place, actually. And I I, I see this team as, you know, with acquisitions and with outgoing transfers, about the same place as where they were last season. And uh, even though, you know, whatever, like their performance last season was a new head coach, you can scratch that off as a, a mulligan or whatever, right? But i i just don't think this, the the team that came up short in the regular season last last season can you know some suddenly change overnight and become materially better without material gains in their transfers and well, i i think losada is a good coach i, I think what he's done at d c united it, it is great and you could see the behind the scenes, how, how he handles the locker room has been very, very good. But there's only so much a head coach can do. You can ask for 110 percent, 120 percent from your players, but if the players just don't have a high enough ceiling to compete with the likes of NYCFC, with the Philadelphia Union, with New England Revolution, then it, it's just going to be it, it's just going to be really hard to uh, see them doing better than where they were last season so i uh, so i said uh ninth place just not enough real investment from the ownership to lift them up past that playoff line
1: we haven't had a disagreement in tier in tier terms yet yes. every team has been in the same tier
0: that's true <laughs> we have well, I, one I, in each that that may or may not change with this next one uh, but it'll definitely change when i say inner miami win it all uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually kidding about the Philadelphia Union being first. I had I have Miami in <laughs> first no no, no no but I, I I am of course not speaking about inner Miami. I'm speaking about the New York Red Bulls who are the next team, which is one of my teams and a team that I'll be honest, it must be very tough to be a Red Bulls fan <laughs> right now because first you watch your crosstown rivals win MLS Cup before you despite only coming to the league and like what? 2014, 2015, 2015, yeah. That's that's extremely tough. And now <laughs> the Red Bulls fans are staring right in the face of continued mediocrity as they lost quite a few players. Uh, they said goodbye to you know some decent players: Andrew Gutman, Fabio, Kyle Duncan. They all left. Uh, the one that maybe is a gut punch, not so much on uh, on the field, uh commitment. Well, not a commitment, but on the field. Uh, an on-the-field player, it's Sean Davis, is what I'm talking about. He was the captain, and I'm not necessarily saying about what he does on the field, because you can always replace that, but he's their captain, and maybe it speaks a little bit more to what's going on in the locker room and with the ownership, because he took a smaller salary to join NYCFC, or not NYCFC, that'd be terrible, Nashville SC. (laughs) I'm losing my mind. Nashville SC in the West. And that could clue us in on a little bit of issues with the Red Bulls' investment. Uh, They did, however, bring in Lewis Morgan from Miami for a crazy $1.2 million deal in GAM, and I think he'll do great in that winger spot. And beyond that, I don't think that the Red Bulls have been overall too active or or too prolific in this transfer window. So I'm not so much betting... For them, I should say. Strengths, Clark, Amaya, and one of their new signings, Jesus Castellano, not Castellanos, are good youngsters in the midfield. And then you have pretty decent players. Klamala is good. Aaron Long is good. Lewis Morgan had a great season last year, all things considered, for Inter Miami. He's great. They have some really good pieces, but the weaknesses is they lack significant depth. And that comes from the ownership not properly investing in this team. I gotten, I remember tweeting this out last summer and I got some pushback from a particular uh, New York Red Bulls fan account on Twitter about how I don't think Red Bulls really invest in their team. They sell a lot of their uh, good players and don't really add anything back. And I, they pushed back on me saying like, oh, but it's just like, it's business, it's whatever. But as we see, from the past couple of years, this model of what New York Red Bulls are doing, which is you know selling players uh trying to not money ball their way through things, but you know try to cut cost. It works uh, uh, upgrading from the academy within is good, but at some point, you just need to have better players surrounding your core academy players, and that's just not happening right now i I think in in a lot of spots. Uh, whether it be in the attack, midfield, or defense, they are short of maybe not raw players, but more real quality game changers. And therefore, I, I, I can see this being a step back. Red Bulls fans, if I am completely off base, do let me know, but I, I, I don't think that from what I've seen, the Red Bulls will be any better than last season. So I'm actually having them drop off quite a bit and I I think in this particular tier it's a little bit close but I have them in 10th place in the east so you know not too far off from the playoffs anything can happen but there are other teams I think have taken steps further than the Red Bulls to be a a stronger team Jack
1: yeah um I actually have a lot of the same ideas as you honestly I I will say they they did make uh, their the signing of their goalkeeper permanent. You know he was on loan from Salzburg. He was great as well. He uh, was.
0: He was. So Underrated. that
1: yeah. On, honestly, that that is a good piece of business. I feel like that's where the good business might stop yeah. a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's
0: good <laughs> business. Like Cornell is a good uh, a good goalkeeper, but he's not much of an addition because he 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 was you know he was there last right, season. Exactly. We've seen what he adds to this team. Still good exactly. though. Still good.
1: Yeah. Uh. So. That that's, that that's 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 what that's what I'll say about that. I have them in tenth place as well though oh wow, um so a second agreement there Jeez, uh, nice. But yeah i I mean I think they're going to take a step back, which is weird given that their rivals won a trophy, won the championship to be exact last season that they'd be taking such a big step back, but I don't know i i, I just don't I, don't I don't trust it, I don't trust this. <laughs>
0: Yeah, all right. So we have another agreement. Maybe we'll have another agreement because we're talking about the newcomers, Charlotte FC. We potentially might uh, do a deep dive talking about them, maybe getting a Charlotte FC uh, reporter or fan on to talk a little bit more about them. But uh, just as a general overview, and again, I can't cover, in general, of these teams, we can't cover everything. We're going to miss like maybe a sneaky transfer that might be good or bad. We might be missing a particular player or strength. Uh, But especially for Charlotte FC, you know, a a full-on deep dive is in order because when we talk about major transfers in and out, every transfer is a major transfer (laughs) in and out because, you know, it's all new. It's all new. But they're the expansion team, and so it's very interesting to talk about them. They have uh, two designated players, which is pretty impressive because Minnesota United did not have one until, like, the second season. So it's cool to see at least some ambition from that Charlotte ownership. Uh, Defensive midfielder uh, Jordi Alcavar is one of them. He's from Ecuador, who's just 22, but can potentially be really, really good. I I think really investing in a defensive midfielder is a move that I quite like, because I think that's a a very good anchor for your team if you have a talented defensive midfielder. But they also have another uh, designated player Polish international striker Karol Swiderski, who actually is pretty good. I don't know why more people aren't talking about this. Uh, I believe uh, Buksa also plays for Poland, and uh, Swiderski has more goals than Buksa, which is very, very interesting. And obviously, Buksa has completely destroyed this league at some point. So who knows? Maybe Charlotte FC have a very talented striker within them. Uh, but they also have some other uh, key players that they've added. Alan Franco, who's on loan from Atletico Monero, who will be key in the midfield. And they also, uh, through the, the expansion draft, which Jack and I have talked about before, got a very talented fullback in Anton Walks from Atlanta United. But they also have added in the recent months players who have been in the league and know it pretty well. Harrison Offal of Columbus, which I think is a great move. I think he's been very good for Columbus. So I- I'm really excited to see what he adds to this defense. Yordi Reyna of DC, uh, Joseph Mora also of DC come to mind. Uh, obviously, Christian Fuchs is old, but I think he's going to be a great locker room presence, especially for some of the younger guys that they've signed through uh, the the super draft. Uh, and yeah, I'm I, I, I pleasantly surprised with what Charlotte FC has built. I know I was kind of bagging on them earlier. Still going to bag on them for some of their off the field stuff and how maybe not inspiring, some of their dealings with the uh, supporters have been, but well, I think, uh, I should also mention their head coach, who's only been coaching at the top level for three years now, Um, again, Miguel Angel Ramirez, pretty interesting, he, he's young, he's got some ideas, really excited to see how that plays out, Um, and the strengths, uh, I, I mentioned how they dealt with their fan base, but their fan base, so far, as we've seen, has been pretty excited about this team, which I think can help a lot uh for an expansion team they got 50,000 tickets already sold for their home opener against the LA Galaxy i would love to be in that atmosphere for that first game especially against the galaxy uh but yeah they're also a team full of international talent and experience so it's not like it, it's not like it's nothing right uh but i i think the weakness is, is can this team gel right expansion teams aren't expected to necessarily. So whether or not they can actually fit all the pieces together for the first time is something to be seen. Some teams get it right right away, but that usually requires a lot of investment like with LAFC and Atlanta United. Some other teams have a good promise but require a little bit more ramping up. You can think of Austin FC, FC Cincinnati, Orlando City, Minnesota United. So I I, I wouldn't be too... I wouldn't get my hopes up too much, especially when you bet on international talent this much, there is a risk that they can't adapt to MLS as well as other teams. Uh, but I, I still think they'll do OK, better than last place, the because I have them in 13th place. I think they'll do OK. I think they'll, they'll get some wins. However, I, I don't see them being playoff contenders in this first year. Jack, where do you have them?
1: There's no way we've agreed this much because I have him in 13th as well.
0: <laughs> Jack, like, we've done this podcast so much. We just, we just like mind meld together. That's yeah. funny. That's funny. <laughs> I,
1: I think I, I'm, I, I really like some of the business they've done. Like you were saying, Carol Svodersky's gr- a great signing, uh, done pretty well in the Greece super did well in the elektrosa and in, in uh, Poland does well for the Polish national team, uh, scoring a goal just about every other game. Uh, He's a good striker. So I, I'm I am i am looking forward to seeing him play. Uh I, I feel like that that's an exciting trend, just an MLS to do a brief tangent. That you know, there's they're looking at strikers outside of just like big five leagues, a bunch of the a mm-hmm. bunch of these uh clubs. And I, I like to see it. And I, I think it'll pay off for them a little a little bit. Uh I don't think they'll they'll set the league on fire by any means, but I do think that they they will have some good moments on the field. So uh yeah I I I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they end up doing but uh just just barely enough to not do la- to not get last I think is <laughs> is how I'd classify this.
0: All right. All right. Cool. Oh another agreement. What is that? Three agreements in a row? That's crazy. Not in a yeah. row, but three agreements so far. Uh pretty pretty good. Jack, we have uh, this next one and I believe it's one of your teams. It's Inter Miami. Uh, maybe we'll agree for this one. Who knows? Who knows?
1: I, I think it's very possible that we'll agree for this one. Uh, so, inner miami uh, I, So, when I started doing research for this, I started with Columbus, which I'll talk about later. Then went on to D.C. United and then Inter-Miami. Each time, I thought I had seen the most departures from one team. But, then I saw Inner miami and they let go of 15 players this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they are in full rebuild mode. If, if what FC Cincinnati is doing is a rebuild, uh, this is a mega rebuild. It seems, uh, there's some big losses in the outgoing group. You know, Rodolfo Pizarro's off to Monterey. Ryan Shawcross retired. Uh, Federico Iguain transferred to Columbus on a one day contract to retire as a Columbus crew player. Nice, nice. Uh, and they lost their two most important center backs in Nicolas Figal and Leandro Gonzalez Perez to Boca Juniors and River Plate, respectively. Uh, it also looks like they're going to buy out Matuidi's contract. So just change all over and then the biggest loss i think of them all is mm-hmm. lewis morgan going to new york red bulls who showed some good flashes in his two seasons with miami they made a few good signings so uh moving on from the from the takeouts the what, what came in they got goalkeeper clement diop from montreal someone that i think has was a pretty solid goalkeeper uh central defensive mid john mota from santos and brazil right mid Emerson Rodriguez from Millonarios, and Christopher McVeigh from Elfsborg. But by far the biggest transfer they made uh, and possibly one of the biggest transfers just in general in MLS. We'll talk about the biggest one uh, eventually, but uh, w- which is DeAndre Yedlin. They after his contract was uh, terminated by Galatasaray, he got he went to Inter Miami on a free. That's huge. Getting a solid uh, internationally, internationally experienced right back on a free transfer is a big win for Phil Neville's side, something they didn't get many of in 2021. Uh, So I I think that that is a solid transfer. But what about strengths and weaknesses? They have the strengths. They have a lot of solid individual pieces in their team. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain hit his stride in 2021, getting 12 goals and seven assists. Midfielder Gregore was a solid force in midfield. DeAndre Yedlin is also a good signing, even though he might not be the best, uh, like the best ever uh, right back. He's still quite good. Uh, And yeah, um, they also have quite a few exciting young players they can build with, including Robbie Robinson, Bryce Duke, Emerson, Rodriguez and a few others. Now going into the weaknesses, and they have quite a few. None of their goalkeepers convinced me last season and they didn't do anything about that. And they have a distinctive lack of depth at striker. Gonzalo Higuain, he's good, but I'm not sure if he's like the guy, especially as he keeps getting older to play almost all the time, uh, to score most of Miami's goals at a meaningful number. Like he scored 33% of their goals last season and was involved in about Hmm. 50% of them. Uh, i'm I'm glad they seem to have stopped with the trend of buying as many aging European stars <laughs> as possible uh but with much of their depth being younger players, I'm not sure if there's if they're going to be super strong this season, but they definitely look like they're trying to build something more so than just trying to bring people in with big signings, which I like a lot more uh That being said, it's not enough for me to rank them outside of the bottom tier and I have them in 12th Boo. place. Uh, I, I think, I, you know, they, Yedlin could be on fire in this. He could provide a ton of assists for Iguain, but ultimately I feel like they, especially at center back, that's the big, the, that's where the biggest losses happened. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know enough about Christopher McVay or the Swedish league to really make a claim on if he's a great replacement, but uh seems like a pretty lateral
0: move as far as I can tell all right all right well Jack we actually did not agree with this Oh, I okay. have them I, I think it's also our, our first uh disagreement in tiers even though I have inner Miami <laughs> on the bottom <laughs> of my third tier okay okay uh I have them in 11th place which is my cutoff for the the maybe looking into the playoffs uh, from the outside And I I see this team as a complete rebuild. I mean, this is the definition of a rebuild Uh, getting some good pieces back, but at the same time, having a lot of youth to lean on, which is pretty exciting to say the least. If you are an inner Miami fan, you might not win every single game, but at least you have, you don't have to look at Shawcross and Higuain and Matweedy like run around with their. uh, (laughs) <laughs> with their walkers, you know, with the, you know, the walkers, like tennis balls. That's what they're doing. No, no I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, I really think with those older players and some of the dead weight gone, it could be a little bit of addition by subtraction, where because you're trending more younger, there's more uh, vibrancy and efficiency in attack, which is something that we've been hearing from this inner Miami uh training camp is that their youth and energy right now is one of their main strengths. A lot of things can happen. There are a lot of underdog stories with MLS. And they could be the next one. I'm not going to put all of my you know eggs in a basket with this team. I still think, obviously, they, they were in 11th place last year. I still think they're going to be 11th place. But at the very least, it's going to be a closer 11th place. Because they were <laughs> about five points behind uh, CF Montreal uh, for the 10th place spot. And it might be just a little bit closer When you, like I said before, rebuild to this magnitude, there's going to be a huge amount of variancy, and I definitely, definitely see this inner miami team either being in that bottom tier or potentially pushing for eighth, pushing for seventh maybe even, I don't know. But it all depends on how those pieces, like DeAndre Edlin, like their existing pieces, fit together. Not totally convinced that it can happen, but with this high variability in this crazy league, who knows? I am in 11th place, though. Jack, I'll let you take it away with the next team, sticking with uh, the teams that start with M, Montreal, CF Montreal. Jack, take it away.
1: Ah, uh, yes. When we started choosing the teams for this, we each only chose one team ourself. Uh Montreal was the one that I chose. I like Montreal. AJ chose uh, Charlotte, I believe, for, yeah. for his, so... Uh, But uh, I I went with Montreal because I'm a huge fan of of them, even if I didn't like their rebrand. But key (laughs) transfers after a relatively successful transfer window in 2021, getting Jordi Mihailovic, Mason Toy and Kamal Miller. Montreal made some good moves this time as well. You know, not many players left, but the only real major players uh, that left were was Aljaz Struña, center back. Uh, The rest were all players that played less than 10 games and were just depth pieces. On the incoming side, Montreal did a lot of good business here. One that I'm fond of, uh, Lassie Laplanian's move was made permanent, and they got young Italian defender Gabriel Corvo on loan. Uh, They re-signed Rudy Camacho, who is really important for them in defense. And finally, my favorite trade of them all is getting Alistair Johnston from Nashville. Right. he was a massive part of Nashville's defense last season and getting him suits the system that Wilfred Nancy uh, has set up for for Montreal. So really, really solid signings. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of them. Strengths and weaknesses in strengths. They've got Jordy Mihailovic, who was fantastic last season, getting the joint most assists in the league along with uh, Carlos Heel. So pretty good company to be in. And Mm -hmm. he's young and is probably only going to get better. Romo Kyoto and Mason Toy made up a solid strike force that collectively put up 15 goals. And Victor Wanyama had another pretty successful uh, year being a solid force in midfield, which he'll hope to continue. They also had a decent enough defense that have a great passing game that lets them control the game with their 3-5-2 formation. Weaknesses, though, and a big reason why they weren't fantastic last year, comes down to a few things. Uh, Their goalkeeper, James Pantomius, he's young. He wasn't all that fantastic, though. Uh, He only put up three clean sheets in 18 matches. Uh, A lot of that also comes down to the defense itself, but it it, he didn't look great or particularly comfortable in a lot of situations for Montreal. Uh, He's a young player for a goalkeeper, but he was just very inconsistent and but Montreal, given that they didn't sign a new goalkeeper, look like they're going to trust him as the main guy this season. Um, I will also say they haven't been using DP spots at all. Uh, I, I originally wrote effectively, but they don't really use them. Uh, yeah. They have two available still. They could probably do with getting a DP striker because, well, Toy, I, I highlighted Toy and Kyoto as good, uh, as good players. They were decent, but they need someone who can put more chances away since they were... and actually take shots because they were 24th out of 27 teams in the league in shots on target per match and could have done with someone taking some more shots for them. Uh, They haven't really done that. They've gotten some good defenders uh, and, you know, made a move permanent. They really could have used uh, a DP striker. Maybe they'll still get one, but I, I, I wouldn't count on it at this point. So that being said, I really want Montreal to do well. And I would love to sit here and say that they're going to do great, but ultimately I can only see a modest improvement for them. Uh, I, I have them in ninth place, which maybe, Oh, maybe a little bit lower. I I could see them getting eighth, maybe seventh, but I don't see them getting much higher than that. Unless they add like, watch this episode's going to come out and they're going to add like a DP striker and, uh, and a DP goalkeeper somehow. Uh, but yeah, I, that's where I have them right now.
0: All right. All right. I, ooh, I, I guess I, I believe in Montreal slightly more. I have them in that seventh place spot that you could see okay. them going into. Uh, but I, I think that this is a team that just, even if there isn't like any crazy moves, no DP signings that really move the needle as a whole, I, I think that this is a team that doesn't necessarily need that. Uh, Nuncsi is a great head coach. He has uh, some really good pieces in Toy, who I think could be a very good striker. Uh, Mihaljevic, as well as, you know, uh, the other signings that you uh, mentioned. And, you know, the key players that already exist in that space, like uh, Kyoto, uh, Alistair Johnson is a very good pickup. A lot of reliance on young players, but I I can honestly see... See it playing out really well with two open designated player spots. I also can see them investing either uh, before the season starts or more likely in the summer window, in which case it's pretty plug and play at that point because this is already a pretty, pretty good core of players. It all depends on how those younger players can fit around that core and help support them. If it, we've seen what happens when, uh, teams that have a good young, young uh, contingency like Seattle do when their main core players are out with injury. Having good young players step up and do well is huge if you want to be pushing for the playoff spots. Again, not, not a huge amount of material improvement from uh, Montreal, but at the same time, I think it'll be enough to squeak through the playoffs in my idealized version of this MLS regular season. So I have them in seventh place.
1: The difference is you trust that they're going to use the DP spots effectively. And I'm not completely sure that they're going to that they're going to do it. I think if I I believe I think you're right, though, if they use them well, then they could definitely make a playoff run.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on from one team uh, that has not made, you know, crazy amounts of moves in the transfer window to another one. Talking about NYCFC, you know, uh, throughout these predictions, we've kind of filled out the the bottom half of the table. So let's move on to potentially a team that is going to be near the top, probably near the top, because they are the reigning champions, the 2021 MLS Cup champions. Can the champs repeat? Well, as of right now, they haven't had a lot of moves. Castellanos was rumored to be moving. But the Golden Boot winner stays put at least for now. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Maybe in the summer, if after a good Champions League, after a good regular season, he goes on to a European club uh, before their preseason. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, the biggest departure, I I think, uh, really has to be James Sands to Rangers on an 18-month loan. Uh, I, I've spoken a little bit about this before. James Sands is a very very good player and so missing him will be kind of a hit for nycfc but at the end of the day i think it is a positive move for both him and the club uh their biggest maybe only real significant signing to their team so far would be tiago martins from yokohama f marinos he's a designated player center back so definitely filling an area of need that i think needed to be filled in nycfc i think that they needed more of a center back prowess within their lineup so getting uh tiago is a huge 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 move strengths obviously they have one they've been here before and that's because they have serious serious talent i can name off just four names and those names could be potentially best 11 players tanner home johnson morales castellanos Especially Castellanos. We'll see if he leaves. But if he stays, that strength is obviously even stronger. Like this is a stacked team. And overall, when you look at what they do well, it's it's just how much they can defend well, how much they can create things. They have the talent and the depth now to try to get a double this season. Maybe MLS Cup or the Open Cup or the Champions League. Who knows? Like this is a team that as we've seen through MLS Cup, has the talent to compete. The weaknesses, however, and there are still a few, even though they're contenders, even though they, they're reigning champions, you have to deal with the Champions League fatigue if they want to, you know, capitalize on their momentum, capitalize on their win by trying to win Champions League. Well, that might put a strain and, uh, on their team, maybe get some injuries. And also, can they perform up to their XG? They were amazing last season in terms of their advanced numbers both in xg and with with uh uh, x assists with all all, all the advanced metrics that you can really see but that didn't always translate to points didn't always translate to goals because castellanos can't do everything so can they find more of an output in front of goal that is something that we'll need to see however i i i I don't think nyfcfc necessarily is going to drop off I, I have them in third place which is weird to put mls cup champions but that that big can they perform up to their xg points is a bit of an issue when you consider castellanos may be moving and with not a lot of uh, transfer movement i can see them dropping off at least a little bit i i think that the top three in the east are going to be quite close closer than years past so i have them in third place jack where do you have the reigning champs?
1: Yeah, well, they did well to keep Castellanos, like you were saying. That, that's huge for them. Uh, I agree. James Sands is a pretty big loss for them. Uh, he, he was really good for them and really helped them out. Uh, but I, I, I think they're, still, they're going to do a little bit better than you say. I have him in second place. Okay. Uh, the Champions League fatigue, yes, I think it's, it's possible, I mean, we saw it for sure with the Columbus Crew last season, mm-hmm. uh, as well as just injury problems. But I, I, I still back NYCFC to do pretty well. Uh, they, they've always been at or near the top of of the table for the past few years, at least. So I, I, I'd back them to still get second. All right,
0: all right. Well, let's talk about some more teams here. Uh, I, I'm really curious to see your first place team is right so now we have, we have what your third place your second place team mm-hmm. and maybe this next team will be your first place team because we're talking about toronto fc which is one of my teams that i'll be covering uh when we look at toronto fc i think they have been the team of note in this past season not particularly because people believe they are going to be for sure the supporter shield winners for sure the mls cup champions but if there was an award for off-season transfer window winner maybe Toronto FC is that Even though there are some other teams that definitely deserve a shout there major transfers in and out hot take I think their biggest signing is Bob Bradley who is a very good head coach that's
1: that's a fair assessment I think
0: definitely an upgrade from their previous head coaches particularly Chris Armis in fact he I think he's the top American coach in terms of experience and uh reputation and he brings in a culture of winning and high expectations and when you have a, a coach that has done well with lafc with the teams in the past maybe not swans we don't talk about that egypt sure why not It it, it really shows what toronto fc wants to do which is win and win consistently and i think that he and his ambition and his tactics are uh, the man for the job. He's the man for the job. Uh, They did say goodbye to some key players of the past, Justin Morrow, Omar Gonzalez, Liam Frazier, Mark Delgado, and a pretty key player for them last season, Richie Larea, who went on to Nottingham Forest. Uh, And also, uh, winger Soteldo, who didn't gel with Toronto at all, didn't put up too good of numbers last season, his only season with Toronto FC. And he's left for Tigres, which frees up a designated player spot. And in return, they get a new designated player, Carlos Salcedo, Mexican center back, who is a huge talent and will help shore up their defense, which has not been as as great as it has been in the past. And especially with uh, some of the young players that they were leaning on in the past, definitely going to be a huge, huge help. Uh, A rumored uh, departure, though it's pretty much done, is Altidore, who will open up the pathway for another number nine to make his mark or potentially open up a a DP spot for Lorenzo Insigne from Napoli, who is absolutely, definitely the biggest signing of MLS this season. He's coming to Toronto in the summer in a blockbuster move that is great for Toronto, not just off the field, because obviously that'll sell tickets, but really, in his prime, he's going to be a huge get on the field as well. Now, there's also been some other rumors of Toronto FC making some moves. Uh, Giovinco was was a, a rumor, but that has uh, gone off the table because he's moved to, I believe, Sampdoria in uh, Syria. And I, I want to say th- there's some other Italians that got linked to Toronto. Like, was it Bellotti yep. or something? Yep, that's the one. Okay, yep. yeah. Uh, I, I don't really have any news whether that's going to get over the line or not. Uh, I have a feeling that that might not be the spot that they need to really invest in. But strengths, before I get into some weaknesses, crazy, crazy talents like Salcedo is a great center back. You have Bob Bradley, who, even though he's getting old, is still a pretty good midfielder, good captain as well. Then you have Pozuelo, MVP candidate, Azorio, great utility guy not just utility guy he's a great great player uh ayo akinola who i think if he can get over injuries will have a a great amount of success scoring goals especially surrounded by all of surrounds him and now insigne you add him on like great great attacking prowess the weakness however this pretty big weakness you know you you obviously have a good strength in attack good strength in a a very very good head coach the weakness however is that they don't have any defensive depth kamar lawrence is probably gonna go uh so we got Singh, oro shane o'neal and then salcedo obviously like not too much confidence in that especially when you lose a player like richie LaRea as well and kamar lawrence now that can't be it in order to really make a move towards mls cup make a move towards a supporter shield that will require a lot of investment we're Really nearing the beginning of the season, and that kind of worries me for Toronto FC. They, of course, can add in the the spring, in the summer, but without some really, really good defensive pieces, it's going to look like a Ferrari on top and potentially not even a go-kart, like a horse-drawn carriage in the back at some points this season. So even though I'd love to put them in first place because this is going to be an exciting team to watch... There needs to be some more moves before I can say that this is out and out the contender for MLS. So I have them uh in a pretty good spot still fourth place. It all depends on how they uh clean stuff up in the in the the back. Jack, where do you have them?
1: Wow. I I I've got to say you you're ranking them a lot uh not a lot higher, but pretty pretty higher than me. Uh I, I Insigne is a great signing. I don't think they're going to get below T because AC Milan and Chelsea have ramped up a, a pursuit of him. I think given that he's still like 25, given the option to go to Toronto versus AC Milan or Chelsea, sure. uh, he's probably going to choose one of one of the two European clubs, but I, I think their defensive problems are going to be a bit bigger. Like, like you said, um, Insignia is great, but if you don't have the defense to stop goals from coming in, uh, it's not going to be good. I have them, I still have them making the playoffs, but I have them in sixth place. So a little bit all further on. down, uh, but I, I still think they'll, they'll do okay in, in this, in this season, you know, uh, any, Hey, anything's better after last season, uh, pretty Absolutely. much. So, uh, that, that's, that's, that's about it. Uh, if they, if they can do better, uh, and I think they will with Bob Bradley and Lorenzo Insigne, especially, uh, then that's good.
0: All right. All right. Jack, let's talk about Toronto FC's Trillium Cup rivals, which is uh, the 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 cup between Columbus and Toronto because they share the same I don't know official flower or something I don't know. But yes, Jack, Columbus Crew, which I believe is one of your teams. Why don't you take it away with them?
1: Yes, it is. Uh, the Columbus Crew is one of the teams that that I am talking about. Honestly, this is this was the hardest team for for me to to go through. Yeah,
0: same, pretty much. Uh,
1: so. Key transfers for Columbus, you know, well, first of all, some background. They had a pretty bad season last time around, considering they won MLS Cup two years ago. Uh, and they had a pretty big clear out this offseason, getting rid of 10 players so far. Harrison Awful is a big departure, although at 35, you know, uh, and and given that his His performance dropped off a little bit in the past season. We knew he was probably on his way out. Milton Valenzuela also heads out after an injury-stricken season. Sebastian Burhalter is the only other super notable departure heading over to Vancouver. Incoming players include Real Zaragoza winner James Igbekmi, on loan, he has four goals in 96 appearances. He has a spotty injury record to say the least. Uh, it's featured less and less for Zaragoza recently. Uh, they got Red Star Belgrade's Milos Dejanek on a free and should provide some much needed depth at center back and for a free. He seems like a solid signing. He's a Serbian center back, looks decent. i uh, I don't watch Red Star Belgrade, so I couldn't tell you much <laughs> more. Sure, uh, but. He he. Based off of the statistics, he looks good. They also signed Jaleel Anibaba, who looks uh interesting, uh, but you know at, at only thir- at thirty three years old and playing nine games last season, I'm not sure how he fits into this roster as much more than depth. But I think the most interesting signing is Yaya Boa, who is a Ghana- uh, Ghanaian right winger who mm-hmm. played for Visla Krakow. Scoring five goals in 19 games this past season. So I I think that could be some really good depth. And, uh, you know, Kevin Molina was supposed to be that kind of guy at at winger, but injury issues kicked in once again, and it didn't really play out. Uh, So Yaya Boa could be really interesting. Strengths and weaknesses. They still have a good squad with some great players. Lucas Zellerian is still here. Giassi Zardes, as much as U.S. men's national team fans like to hate on him. <laughs> uh, he's decent, uh, especially for Columbus and MLS. Darlington Nagmi, of course, is still there And uh, to highlight a few of those players. That being said, they're missing a lot of defensive depth. They have, at this, at this point in time, one senior right back no real experience left back. They, they signed Will Sands who is James Sands twin brother, uh, who played for Georgetown in college. Uh, but that's the only main left back they have on the roster. They have good midfield and forward depth, but the situation in defense looks somewhat grim to say the least. Uh, but from what, from what I, I did see on Twitter, people do rate, uh, will Sands pretty highly. So maybe he'll be that guy at left back. Um, they technically don't have any holes in the roster. Technically. Uh, but I this depth compared to uh the twenty twenty crew side that won MLS Cup seems a bit lacking. Uh I do think that they're going to make the playoffs. Okay. And I think they'll do they'll do pretty well. I have them in fourth place, which might be a bit high. That but is
0: pretty high, I, but yeah.
1: I, I I'm I'm not sure. I feel like they're either going to be pretty good or pretty bad, and there's not really much in between. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So that's why this was really difficult. I had to figure out where where they went uh, on my list based off of that.
0: I also thought this was difficult, Jack. And you bring up some great points, but I think the biggest point for me that really made this tough is the Caleb Porter law, which is every other year he has to do badly or well. (laughs) Only in even even years, can he play, can his teams play well? <laughs> I, I think that carried on from Portland, and now it's with uh, Columbus, and yeah, I mean, since this is you know, an even year, he, you know, fifth place, whatever, like fourth place, I mean, he, he, that should be where, where it is, but I, I think when I look at this depth, there's a lot of variability with this as well, but I, I think the quality has dropped, and I think that the teams above them, uh, where i have them in eighth place uh, I, i'm looking at montreal orlando i think they have made better investments uh, and i think that their squads might be a little bit better in terms of depth and how they fit in together at least better than columbus i don't know
1: wow yeah. that that's the biggest difference we've had so far then
0: that that is the biggest difference and Hey, if I'm wrong, I'd love for Columbus Crew to do well. I think I think they're a storied club. I think that they deserve, uh, some better play at least better play than their than their logo right now. So yeah. All right, let's move on. Jack still don't know your first place team. Maybe uh we'll find out uh who it's going to be, but we probably won't because it's uh uh the Chicago Fire <laughs> next. <laughs> no, that's
1: my first place,
0: obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I got uh Chicago. Fire for this one uh major transfers in or out uh they got a new head coach which i think is one of their uh bigger transfers i guess you can argue that there's definitely at least one bigger one than that but it's ezra hendrickson who's been an assistant to siggy Schmid with the galaxy and siggy Schmid, uh the late siggy Schmid, has been one of the best head coaches in mls so a lot of good experience there and porter uh speak of the devil in columbus when they won mls cup this is his first big gig, though, and that comes with a lot of excitement. He's done all he needs to to prove a spot in MLS, so really, really cool. Uh, they got rid of a lot of players last season, a lot of players, including some uh, announced before the, the last game, uh, including about six or seven starters, including their captain, Francisco Calvo. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he was captain. I don't know why you would give him the captainship, but you know, Francisco <laughs> Calvo, he was uh, booted. Uh, they took on, however, center back Rafael uh, uh, Chizikos from uh, FC Koln. Uh, probably Chikos, but whatever. From FC Koln Close in enough. the Bundesliga. Only a TAM signing and hopefully anchor a Chicago defense that isn't really well known for keeping balls out of their net. Uh, they also signed Philly, Philadelphia Union's number nine, Kasper uh, Priscilko. Nope, that's not it. I always forget it. Jack Shizbilko? Shizbilko. Exactly. I think that's
1: right. I think that's
0: right. (laughs) That's how I've been saying it. (laughs) Every single time he comes up, I always mispronounce his name. Every single time I write it down, every single time it just goes out of my head.
1: You just got to commit to one one pronunciation. I'm I'm going to call
0: him Casper Shizbilko. There we go. There you go. Uh, Shizbilko. There we go. Who scored 35 goals in 83 games for the union. Should add some pretty good uh, number nine talents for a Chicago Fire team that desperately needs some uh, points in the season and Shakiri there you go that the, the big name right there what a buy he'll be a huge talent on the wing or as a number 10 wherever he he wants to go i'm sure that uh Hendrickson will let him choose w- where he thinks he'll fit the best but he leaves leon after just 6 months there uh, coming in in uh, august 2021 uh but obviously still a very good player you know playing for the, the swiss national team Uh, and i think you know the last time chicago really bought a european superstar in schweinsteiger it worked out great shakiri is a bit younger and i think depending on how they build around him it could work out really well uh strengths however i think oddly enough their biggest strength is their clean slate they got rid of a lot of players clean house and now they have a new head coach new star players and it looks like the fire can reinvent themselves on their own terms. And I'm sure that'll be a welcome change. Uh, Another strength, I haven't mentioned yet, but Slonina was a best 11 caliber goalkeeper last year at just 17. He's rumored to maybe make a move abroad, but if Chicago can keep him in whatever capacity that is, whether it's a loan back or just not selling him, that'll be huge help in keeping clean sheets. Weaknesses. We're looking at a team that isn't used to winning, including a bunch of new pieces, is not going to fix that. Uh, It'll take a little bit of time. It'll take a little bit of a defensive depth building. It'll take a little bit of uh, youngsters and young players making their way up uh, the ranks. They're better, but a lot of their depth is still, like I said, youngsters or mediocre MLS veterans. So still a lot of work for them. Predictions... You could probably guess I have them near-ish the bottom in that basement dwelling spot. Shaqiri, good player, not enough to lift them out of twelfth <laughs> place where I have them. Jack, what do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, Shakiri's great, uh, and Chisbilkos great, both good. Uh, not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. Right. Uh, Chicago need literally—they need a full new starting eleven almost, uh, except for Slonina probably uh they 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 needed a lot of help and as a result i have them pretty low down as well i have them in 11th so we we have opposites for inter miami and chicago there uh i i feel like i I probably overrated chicago a little bit just because i want them to do well i like chicago fire uh but yeah it's it's still gonna be a rough season no playoffs probably uh I Hey, I'd love for them to
0: prove me wrong, but I don't think they will. All right, all right. Well, let's talk about another bad team that's going to do terrible. The New England Revolution. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) New England have won the Supporter Shield, broke the points record, lost their first game in uh, the MLS Cup playoffs, thanks to one of the longest breaks for a team, like 20-plus days between their last regular season game and their first playoff game. But now a very hungry Bruce arena, a very hungry new England fan base wants more. They want the big one. And Jack, how do you think they'll do in the regular season? Do you think they'll be put in a good spot to get the MLS cup potentially?
1: Yeah. Well, for key transfers for the new England revolution, their supporter shield winning side is mostly intact, or at least will be for the first six months of the season or four, however long, uh, there are a few notable transfers out. Scott Caldwell and Teal Bunbury also uh, are both left after pretty lengthy careers with New England, uh, but they had played smaller parts in the last few seasons anyway, so it's not a huge loss. Uh, the big one in the immediate term is young Canadian player Tajon Buchanan, who headed off to Club Bruges on a seven million dollar deal. Whoa! Uh, pretty pretty big money for for the Revolution. The one that the one loss in the medium to long term is that the statistically best ever MLS shot stopping goalkeeper, Matt Turner, will be headed off to the Premier League with Arsenal this summer in a deal worth about starting at seven million dollars and rising up to 10 million. So they're getting 17 million from two transfers, which for those two players, pretty good, pretty good money and gives them a lot to build with. And with that money, they have brought in. A.J.'s favorite player of all time. Let's go. Sebastian Lejet, a.k.a. Go. the back pass god, who had, let's be honest, kind of a, a mediocre season with the L.A. Galaxy last yes. season uh, with seven goal contributions in 26 at games. Perhaps the most confusing transfer, in my opinion, is Omar Gonzalez from Toronto on a free. Solid veteran defender, but um, I'm not sure if he's the game changer New England needed to evolve.
0: Bruce Arena uh, just wanted him back. They, they remember honestly, the good times in it. LA Galaxy, <laughs> and it's like, uh, same with Legiel, yeah. I guess. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's what it is. It's uh, it's like in Phineas and Ferb, they're getting the band back together, you know? Exactly. That, that's what it is. Uh, the bigger deals uh, that they had are honestly just contract extensions, which are signing Gustavo Bo and Carlos Hill to longer deals, keeping them until 2023 and 2024, respectively. Those are probably their best pieces of business, in my opinion. Getting 17 million isn't too bad either. And they're still going to have about 14 million to work with. Oh, wow. Strengths and weaknesses. Strengths. For the first half of the season, this team is going to be almost the exact same as the Supporters Shield winning side. Plus, they've got Bo, Heal, and Buksa still leading their offense and will for the entire season. That's a terrific trio that New England fans are going to be, are, are already, and continue to to be happy with yes you also have bruce arena who has been a a pretty good coach for new england leading them through a few very good seasons the main thing is they kept their most creative players and their most clinical forward so they should be in a good position that being said there are two weaknesses i can see but i will also admit they can be pretty easily addressed Mm -hmm. matt turner and tyjan buchanan have yet to be replaced and they'll both be tough to replace regardless they have fourteen million, so they <laughs> that they can play around yeah. with, though. So it's not like they're in, they're in trouble and they have to work on a shoestring budget to get in players. They can sign some big, impactful players. Uh like if if they wanted to bring in an, a really big, uh, a big deal goalkeeper, they totally could, uh, because they have the resources to. But yeah, they they haven't done that yet. The big the big issue is Tajon Buchanan because Matt Turner though they'll have for four to six months still, but they've got to, they've got to fix that before, before starting the season, in my opinion. Uh, And so that leads me to where do I put them? I have two, if you've been paying attention, if you, if you have like a notepad, if you're listening to this, then you, (laughs) then you know that the two positions I have left are either first place or fifth place. And I have the new England revolution as my first place team. this season. I, I know it's kind of unpopular and I know it's, it's not, it's like, you know, kind of lame to put them as repeating, but I think I have the resources to do it. Like, yes, losing Matt Turner is going to hurt, but may I emphasize for the third time, they have $14 million that they yes. can use to replace the players with that. That's, that's a huge deal. That's, that's more than some teams spend like on in an entire, like in their entire existence, it feels like. So you know, I, I I don't know. It it's it's a lot of money to work with.
0: Yeah, I Jack also believe in them. I have them in second place though. Okay. And that fourteen million dollars you mentioned, literally the the biggest uh turning point for me because Matt Turner they have time. Buchanan, bit of bit of a tougher uh, sell to like try to get a replacement, but still possible. They still have time, and even regardless, the team that they have still like. If they bring him bring in a a, a a sub or a reserve player to fill in for him, that's fine too. They have heal. they have bow, they have Buxa, They have all these talented, creative attacking players to not really fill in for uh, Buchanan, but fill in his output. And there's another s- rumored signing that that you didn't really uh, touch on, which is Josie Altador right. potentially yep. moving, which uh, would be crazy and at the same time, not a bad move considering that uh i don't think they'd sign him on a dp contract at all so a a lot of excitement i think sebastian legette is going to be an underrated uh signing potentially uh because his best years with la galaxy were under bruce arena and if there's anyone that can like really whip him up to shape and just beat the effort back into him that he's been missing uh this past season it's uh bruce arena and like get get him back into the mentality uh, that he was at uh, before. Uh, this season kind of you know went a little bit quiet for him, but yeah, I I think I, th- I think those are good signings. However, when I look at the top three, I see it as very close: Philly, New England, and NYCFC. And I just think that Philadelphia Union might be a more complete team. And I'm also just betting on the fact that uh, MLS rarely sees teams win first place twice in a row i remember a lot of people had the columbus crew winning the first place trophy last year and we see how that went so yeah and that well well well. uh but uh, i'm like when you look at it honestly there are many times when uh the trophy winners don't really repeat and i'm seeing just a little bit of drop off especially with some maybe ccl fatigue there so i'm in first place and jack that leaves us with one team and listeners, if you've been keeping along with a notepad or keeping in your head, you'll notice that Jack and I actually have the same spot open for this last team, And the last team being Atlanta United. Jack, I'm guessing you also have United in fifth place.
1: Yes, I do. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Just outside the home playoff spots, but a decent, decent showing nonetheless. And I have this one to end it all off. Let's talk about Atlanta United's major transfers in and out. Barco played very well last season, is getting loaned to River Plate with an obligation to buy. That's a loss in the midfield. However, Thiago Alameda from Velez is joining Atlanta for a reported $16 $16 million fee. He's a 20-year-old attacking midfielder who's bossed the Argentinian League. So how is that for a number 10 replacement? There have been some defensive losses, though. Franco Escobar to LAFC and Anton Walks to Charlotte FC. But they added some, not necessarily defensive uh, additions, but some veteran defensive help in Ozzy Lonzo and Bobby Shuttleworth, both legitimate Minnesota legends, as a, a good backups, veterans, and locker room depth. Uh, another pretty big defensive loss will be George Bello, who started uh, pretty much most of the league matches last year. And he's gone abroad. And that kind of sucks for Atlanta United as they try to get back to where they were before. But strengths. Let's forget the defense for just a little bit because attacking talent galore, hello. Even without Tiago Alameda, Atlanta is bursting at the seams with game-changing players. We got Sosa, Moreno, Luis Arajo, which was legitimately amazing last season. And of course, the man himself, Mr. Atlanta, Joseph Martinez. Uh, very good uh, defense on... a. You know, the center back part, at least. Uh, Guzan is old, but still serviceable. And you have Rollins Hernandez, Brooks Lennon as right back depth. Franco, uh, Robinson and Campbell as center back options. Andrew Gutman, Caleb Wiley, and Mikey Ambrose potentially at left back. Not bad. Uh, the head coach, too. Very, very good. Gonzalo Pineda. Since taking over mid-August, he has a 50% win record, lifting Atlanta into the playoffs in a year where it looked like they might not. Weaknesses I can think of two main ones. One is being uh getting some maybe a higher level defensive depth. We have a, a good amount of youngsters there or players that uh potentially maybe going abroad. Robinson uh midway through the year, Brooks Lennon perhaps. Uh but then you have uh after that some players that may need to step it up if they want to be uh, you know, a good team. So maybe getting a replacement or just really hoping that they pan out. The biggest weakness I could see in this Atlanta team that really, I will not say holds them back, but maybe limits their ceiling is Joseph Martinez. He didn't have the crazy bounce back year that we thought he would have coming back from injury. He could still bang them in getting maybe like 17 or 18 goals last season, but if Atlanta really want to call themselves contenders, they need a golden boot challenging striker to complement the great attacking creative midfield that they have. And that just might not be the case with Joseph anymore. Especially as he gets older, a sophomore year after his injury return may be in order. and may, may be time for a really good one, but it'll take a, a pretty big movement up from where he was last season. So I'm predicting them in fifth. Jack, why do you have Atlanta in fifth place?
1: Well, you know, you covered it, most of it. They, they've they lost quite a few players that have been very good for them. George Bellow, I think, is going to be a huge loss uh and you know i i i also think that they that ezekiel Barco he had a good end to the season last year uh and get getting rid of him or loaning him out i i don't know it feels it feels weird because i i i know they've replaced him yeah but he he was looking like he was hitting his stride and uh so it seems strange to to ship him out but uh atlanta they're they're a solid team their coach is great uh probably among the best coaches in the eastern conference uh i i would say probably uh, probably top top 4 top 5 uh but yeah i i i, I rate them pretty highly and uh, i think i think they'll do pretty well this season uh but that actually that that leads to an interesting thing because our our bottom 5 are all the same five teams in a little bit different order yes and our top five four out of the five are the same teams in there Mm -hmm. so very similar our orders
0: yeah i think really those teams kind of picked themselves because i think there were uh some teams that really made some strides some teams that didn't and a good amount that mixed in the middle uh could go either way towards the top or the bottom but uh going off that jack Why don't you go through uh, your final table that you think will um, be how the Eastern Conference plays out. Yeah.
1: So I'm going to go from last to first. So in the bottom tier, tier four, uh, I have Cincinnati in 14th, Charlotte in 13th, Inter-Miami in 12th. And then in tier three, we've got Chicago Fire in 11th, New York Red Bulls in 10th, Montreal in 9th, DC United in 8th. And then the second tier, we've got Orlando City in seventh, Toronto FC in sixth, and Atlanta United in fifth. And for the final tier, the top tier, fourth place, I have the Columbus Crew, third place, I have the Philadelphia Union, second place, I have NYCFC, and first place, I have the New England Revolution.
0: All right. And my 14 teams for the East, starting in last place as well. Got FC Cincinnati, 13th place, Charlotte FC, and 12th, Chicago Fire. Those are the bottom of the barrel, probably going to be near the bottom. And then for the the third tier, which is uh, for the both of us, looking into the playoffs from the outside, maybe if they make a push, could make the playoffs. I have 11th, Inter-Miami, 10th, New York Red Bulls, 9th, DC United, and 8th, Columbus Crew. Columbus Crew being our biggest discrepancy. And then for, you know, General playoff contenders, I have 7th place CF Montreal, 6th place Orlando City, 5th place Atlanta United, and for the top contenders, I have 4th place Toronto FC, 3rd NYCFC, 2nd New England Revolution, and the team to win it all in the East in terms of the regular season, the Philadelphia Union. Jack, how how are you feeling about those predictions? Do you think we'll be embarrassed by the end of the season?
1: I mean... Given how crazy MLS is, probably, it's very likely that we are. Uh, I have a feeling that the crew prediction is either going to be really good and people are going to, are going to come back to this and say, wow, he, he really saw that coming. Or come back and say, wow, you could not have been more wrong. That, that one is the one I'm the least confident about, I've got to say.
0: I, I feel the same way for two other teams as well, Toronto FC and maybe the Red Bulls as well. I feel like maybe Toronto FC, I personally overrated them and red bulls maybe we both underrated them potentially i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see how it all plays out but jack if people want to shout at us for getting their favorite team wrong and putting them on the bottom of the table where can they do that
1: well they can find us on twitter at final third show instagram final third show as well but we use twitter a lot more yes uh check check it out on check us out on there to see our takes on you know Minnesota Aurora's newest signing Sarah Fuller goalkeeper, pretty cool stuff. Uh, you know, see, see how we're, how we're uh, thinking about MLS season as that starts getting ready and about European, European football as well. You know, if there, if, uh, if you, if you want to see how, how, uh, we're feeling about different games. How I'm. If you want to follow along as I watch Chelsea win the Club World Cup, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, then you're going to want to follow us on Twitter to see
0: that. All right. Yeah, and also go to our website finalthirdshow.com, if you want us one stop shop for all things the Final Third podcast. We'll see you guys uh, next Monday for our news and predictions episode. Well, we'll cover some crazy things I'm going to predict is going to happen this weekend tell your friend about the show tell your dad about the show i'm sure he'd love to get mad at the fact that we put cincinnati on the bottom for you know the fourth year in a row now whatever (laughs) Uh, we'll see you guys same time same place for next week's deep dive western conference preview episode see ya bye for now